All right, I want to talk about um, noises. <laughs> I can even hear it now. Um, noises that like really bother y'all. Like, what are some things you can't stand? Nancy's voice. Ah! <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. That, that's that's pretty much been my whole life. So it is what it is. It's just like it, sometimes in the morning times. It's loud. You're very loud. And yeah. it, it surprises me. It kind of shocks me. Yeah. One thing uh, uh, folks probably obviously don't know, but when Nancy comes into the office at like 830 in the morning, she's one of the most pleasant people at, at that time, but also one of the loudest. <laughs> and so just <laughs> saying everyone, hello, everyone. <laughs> Um, for me, since we're going to stay on this theme, um, as the person who always has the headphones on when we're recording and making sure all the sound and everything is good, uh, there's a lot of mouth noise, you can call it. Mouth as- sounds. Coming from my microphone. <laughs> 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 In all fairness, I, people, people have told me that my, my voice isn't exactly the most like, pleasing thing. I have, a, I have a voice that's called for podcasting and public yeah! radio. That's what I've heard. So that's yeah. a, that should be pleasing. There's nothing wrong with your voice. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't searching for compliments, but I will certainly take them. <laughs> Welcome to the American Geophysical Union's podcast about the scientists and the methods behind the science. These are the stories you won't read in the manuscript or hear in a lecture. I'm Shane Hanlon, and I'm Nancy Bompy, and this is Third Pod from the Sun. Okay, so we're not here to talk about Nancy's voice. No? (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) No, but we are here to talk about sound. Uh, And so I wanted to bring in Lauren LaPuma. Hi, Lauren. Hi, guys. Who has a really fascinating story for us. So what do you got? Yeah, so we're going to talk about sounds in the ocean today. Last year, I met and interviewed a researcher who studies the ocean soundscape. Oh, that oh. sounds lovely. What is the ocean soundscape? Well, actually, he will d- he will explain it to you, but it's p- pretty much all the ambient sounds that you hear in the ocean. Hmm. I'm excited. I wonder if it sounds like my voice. I'm sure it does not. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Joe Haxel. I'm an assistant professor at Oregon State University, affiliated with the NOAA's Pacific Marine Environmental Laboratory Acoustic Program. And I'm based out of Newport, Oregon at the Hatfield Marine Science Center. My specialization is in ocean acoustics. So I study sound underwater um, and everything from looking at, we use it, I use it as a tool essentially to look at geophysical processes, um, look at some um, ecology and different habitats, as well as impacts from anthropogenic influences in, on, on sound in the ocean. So what does studying the sound in the ocean tell us? Yeah, uh, so ocean acoustics is great. The analogy that I like to use is, is that, you know, we use optics and light as creatures on Earth to navigate um, on land. We see f- the farthest with our eyes. You know, we use, we navigate and, and find our food and, and all the things we do, we primarily use our eyes. We do hear as well, but we can see a lot farther than we can hear. In the ocean, um, due to the physical properties of the, of the water, light scatters really quickly, right? But sound doesn't sound actually travels really far. So that's why most animals um, are acoustically oriented. They find their food and mates, they travel by sound. Also, as humans, we've clued into that too. The Navy has been using it for a long time, acoustics to you know, do a lot of different naval operations, but even in the commercial sense, we use that. 
and more recently, the technology is becoming more commercially available to where soundscape analysis is really starting to pick up. And, and so um, what do you mean by that? So a soundscape is essentially like the background song, like if you were to close your eyes and just sit and listen and what the ambient conditions are around you. So there's contributions from all different kinds of sources. And particularly in the ocean, we have natural sound from wind and waves at the surface and earthquakes, ice processes in the poles. Um, and then there's anthropogenic sources like vessel traffic, you know, fishing um, activities, um, energy exploration. So people looking for, for oil um, deposits. And then there's uh, and drilling and pile driving. And then there's uh, biological contributions from fish and marine mammals that are using that, like I, we discussed, to communicate and, and kind of, um, you know, orient themselves. So how do they record these underwater sounds? Well, they actually just use an underwater microphone. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's called a hydrophone. It's basically, you know, an, a waterproof microphone, and it's attached to a buoy so they can find it on the surface. And they can leave it out there for a long time to record things over time, or they can just get a snapshot of what they're hearing. I bet when they leave it out there, they hear all sorts of interesting things oh my gosh i'm just i cannot stop thinking like little mermaid just like under the sea under, under the, the sea. sea look at this stuff isn't it neat <laughs> i still know the every lyric yeah, to that song i think i do too mm-hmm. wow we'll have to yeah. have a lyric uh, like a like a like a sing along Ooh, a sing along one day oh goodness listeners stay tuned for that one <laughs> yeah. um but in the meantime weird sounds what's kind of like the weirdest sound you've ever recorded oh weird sounds I would, you know, I would say the whales kind of make the weirdest stuff for me, or actually fish. Fish make some really funky sounds too. Like, like you what? think these little fish? There's a ship, uh, fish called the midshipman. It does this growl. <laughs> That's so weird. And it's in the found in the Gulf of Mexico, um, pretty extensively. But they are they can chorus and get really loud, and they growl. It's this really, and it's not a very big fish, but it's really low frequency and strong and loud. It's pretty pretty impressive. The other thing is the blue whales, right? The blue whale, we were fortunate. This is a cool story. So um, typically blue whales vocalize their fundamental frequency that they put out is really low. It's actually below what we can easily hear. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes when you hear things that people play that are blue whale, they have to speed them up. We were lucky. We had recorders out off of Yukuna Head in Newport and a blue whale came in probably within a kilometer or two of our recorder and was calling. And so it gave us this unprecedented, clear, awesome recording of a blue whale that you can hear without speeding up because it has the harmonic pieces in it that normally drop out as it propagates. Mm -hmm. So we have this fantastic recording that we can play for people to listen. And if you have it, uh, the right speaker system, which, you know, doesn't take that big of a subwoofer, but you can shake the lights in a room (laughs) quite easily with this call. So people hear it and they just, it doesn't, there's nothing that, sounds like that and so you know um i can only imagine in my head being in the ocean and hearing that the thought must be whoa (laughs) what is that the starship enterprise just came into the area you know or something like that i don't know something else that that um colleagues of mine have pointed out and i've seen i saw it at a totally different experiment on the oregon coast is crabs actually come and rub their shells on your stuff what do you and mean? it makes noise. <laughs> like on your equipment? Yeah, like so Dungeness crabs scratch their backs, essentially. They come up, and if you have some hard 
you know, um, um, frame or whatever, they will come in and scratch, you know, um, the, yeah. the gear I had that it did it, you know, that it's not a constant thing. So the crabs would come into an area. They, they like new things cause they're scavengers. Mm -hmm. Something hits the bottom and they're like rushing over to see what it is. And then they would scrape and rub and scrape and then it would kind of go away after a few days. What does that Rubbing sound like? Scraping really? sound. Um, it's, it's just like you'd think like a crab, take a crab shell and rub it on metal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's um, so crazy. So no, no little mermaid. Unfortunately they did not find Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> no mermaids, no crabs, no King Triton with his trident. Uh, Can't be. No sea witches. Part of that world. No, it's Beautiful. kind of sad. I know. Uh, but, but lots of really interesting noises. Snip, snap, beep, bop. <laughs> <laughs> snap, snap, okay. beep, bop. Uh, but, but okay, cool noises. Um, but what does this like? What does this mean? What are they doing with it? Like, I'm sure there's there's a research component of this. Science, yeah. Science. Well, science. Well, Shane, you remember when we interviewed Lee about collecting whale poop? Oh yes. Yeah. So actually, Joe is a colleague of Lee, and he. So their project they were working on was looking at how noise in the ocean affects stress hormones in whales. But while they were doing this, they actually found something really surprising about sounds in the ocean. Project that's really fun that I've just gotten involved in in the last couple of years is looking at how ambient noise conditions vary along the Oregon coast, which is something we don't know at all. There's really no data out there for it. And then the, the tie to the ecology is I'm, I'm collaborating with a marine mammal ecologist who is looking at how those variations in noise levels could be affecting um, stress hormone levels in um, eastern Pacific, east, northeastern Pacific gray whales. This year, we were we put some gear out that you know um, we we wanted to capture the time signature of of the noise levels, and so we put out these longer term recorders that could record through all kinds of different weather conditions as well as vessel traffic conditions and really get the time signature of what the noise. So how it changes over time. Exactly. What did you guys find when you started listening to the recordings? We found something that was really surprising. We were, the drifting hydrophone as it was going over some areas that we were expecting to be very quiet because they were not around any kind of vessel, um, you know, activity. We found, and just looking at the noise levels, they, they were really loud. So we went... And we use a tool called a spectrogram, which is basically breaking down the um, acoustic time series or the waveform that comes into the sensor. And we were able to look at that and we started to see, wow, there's these really sharp spikes that we have never seen really before. Not nothing we were expecting. Started talking to um, some of our colleagues and, and looking in the literature and, and, and it looked a lot like snapping shrimp, the sound from snapping shrimp. Um, but the trick and why it surprised us so much was that uh, snapping shrimp are really undocumented in this area. They're typically a tropical or subtropical species, mm -hmm. um, not found in, in colder waters like we have. So we asked around to some of our colleagues in the Department of Fish and Wildlife and some people that work in you know the reef and rocky areas if they had seen shrimp or they knew anything about having snapping or pistol shrimp. Mm -hmm. not, nobody, no one had ever no seen one them. Had ever seen them. So we sent the recording to them. Just we'll listen to this. You know and that. Well, yeah, that's snapping shrimp. Most everybody's saying. So tell me a little bit more about snapping shrimp. They're incredible. They're really neat little animals. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about them before this and have, yeah. you know, kind of dove into it. When they snap their claws, it's not actually the, the claws hitting each other that's making the snap. 
they're actually producing high velocity jet that creates a cavitation bubble. And for an instant, that cavitation bubble shoots out from their claws and then collapses violently. And that collapse of the bubble is what makes the snapping sound. Think of like a ship with a propeller going around on the bottom and it's going faster and it's making bubbles, you know, and that's part of what we hear when we're listening to ships and things like that. So it's just a bubble of air. They collapse and that's what makes it cracking and popping or the hissing sound from the shrimp. Within that air, within that bubble, that cavitation bubble, there's a flash of light that happens. They were actually able to record some researchers um, that used high-speed cameras mm -hmm. back in the 2000, 2001. And um, with high-speed camera technology, they were able to record. They, they were stimulated the shrimp to snap and then got this image of the bubble coming out, collapsing. And there was a flash of light that occurred wow. in that bubble. And their estimate is that, that the temperature in there due to that flash of light was something like 5,000 Kelvin. Oh my God. Yeah, like ridiculously hot, right? And the sound that comes from those is some of the loudest instantaneous sounds in the ocean. Like how loud are we talking? It's like the sound potentially of like a gunshot. Well, yeah. From one shrimp? One shrimp. And there's, it's such a short signal though, it's on the order of like half a millisecond mm -hmm. that it's not long lived, right? You just, right? It's a really quick snap and you know, if it was longer duration, it would be a, a much bigger problem. Plus, a lot of that energy dissipates pretty quickly. It's, right. it's a very near field effect. Behavioral ecologists are looking at it and thinking they, you know, they use that as a, a way to stun their prey, mm -hmm. but also as a way to ward off other shrimp. Because I think that reading about them, they're, they're uh, very territorial. You can't put two snapping shrimp in a tank together and have them... Oh, really? Hang out. They don't get along very well yeah. with each other. So, But, you know, you get, yeah. you know, hundreds and thousands of these shrimp along a coastal habitat. Yeah. And, you know, it is incredibly loud. Oftentimes, the individual snaps aren't, uh, you can't pick those out. It just sounds like a hiss because there's so many of them and they're from far away. Mm-hmm. So that when you're right up close to them, that's how we kind of knew we were right on them too, is that our co recordings were so clear and we could hear individual snaps and actually count them. So when you're that up close to them, what does that all sound like? It's like Rice Krispies cereal, but like boosted, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. impressive. It's really pretty neat. Do you know how about how big they are? They're not very big. They're maybe a couple inches long, two, two and a half inches long. Pretty wow. small little guy for a big, big sound. So they found these, or they heard these snapping shrimp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shrimp. Remember when um, Adam was talking about going down in Alvin and they had the <laughs> shrimp button on the boat? And you could shrimp, be like, shrimp, 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 shrimp. <laughs> again. You're again, welcome. Again with that. Oh, of course. God. The moment I saw this episode, I was like, oh, I get to sing. This is fun. <laughs> Shane's Rihanna cover. Um, I do recall that. But um, aside <laughs> from that, these are these snapping shrimp, but they, they found something else out. That's pretty cool i guess it's related to the whales right yeah so they found that the whales are actually using the sound of the snapping shrimp kind of like a dinner bell it's like a sound cue that pulls them to places these rocky reef areas where there's a lot of food for them to eat and so one thing that whales eat are these creatures called mycids which are small crustaceans and they're pretty much very similar to shrimp but they're not exactly shrimp mm, mycids or eucids well uh is that <laughs> to be funny no it's not at all <laughs> And then we, we started looking closer into the data and they were characteristically found 
around the rocky reef areas and and more more particular um in areas that had kelp Mm -hmm. and that's where we were also seeing the whales very frequently feeding in particular with the foraging activity and and so we started putting down lee's group has gopro camera drop that we can do so we started putting down gopro camera drops in these areas and getting images of what the whales were eating Mm -hmm. and it was there were big clouds of mices in the water in these areas okay Mm -hmm. So that kind of has led us to the, the, uh, the, the idea that we needed to explore potentially that these snapping shrimp were acting as an, uh, a, a potential cue or acoustic you know, um, signal for the whales that, there's, hey, there's an area over here that may have the type of food that I'm interested in. The whales are acoustically oriented like like i mentioned i think you know they are feeding around the clock 24 hours a day in nighttime and everything so they're using some type of cue to be able to find these this food and they're really good at figuring out where food is and um, the prey is really patchy it's not like they go out and there's just big cloud layers of mycids all over the place you know they're typically found in these these little pockety areas, and I think around kelp in particular because it helps them hide mm-hmm. in the coastal zone. Um, so they're finding these guys somehow. It probably isn't the only way they're doing it, but the acoustics is definitely a strong sensory mechanism for them. So, you know, they use sound um, to do a lot of different things. So this could, you know, this kind of pushed us in this way that, you know, there's, there's something to this signal that's so loud in this area and is associated with a particular habitat where we're finding the whales a lot. So you were totally surprised to see snapping shrimp there. They've never been seen out the Oregon coast. Is this the first time they've seen been seen this far north? Yes. Like, wow. So that was interesting. That is, is another interesting part of this is that, you know, that opens up a whole other suite of questions. Is it, are they, have they always been here? Um, and which I would doubt. Because I think somebody, you know, there aren't a lot of recordings, obviously, acoustic recordings, but the Navy has been working uh, with snapping shrimp for quite a while. They, that's where a lot of the history of the research was um, because they were hearing this snap and hiss through their submarines. And, you know, so in our text, we're saying there's something out there that's messing up everything we're looking at. Yeah. Um, so the Navy put in a significant amount of money to research snapping shrimp. And that's where a lot of the literature comes from already. The next step we need to do is trap some of these guys figure out what species we're dealing with and i think that will give us clues as to you know what we're what we're seeing are they snapping shrimp that have moved north with a, as a lot of species are kind of being seen to do the pelagic species and whatnot are being found a lot of higher latitudes mm-hmm. um is that part of it or are they um a species from the western pacific that may have come over with marine debris or something or you know they we don't know so that's yeah. why we got to catch them, <laughs> figure yeah. it out. Yeah, that's the next step. Yeah, got to so, catch them. Yeah, so I mean, you know, like sound, there's all kinds of stuff that can be looked at with sound. Once you have the basics and you have the tools and you have the understanding of how, you know, sound works in the ocean, you can apply it to a ton of different things. So I wonder if they could um, use the sound of my voice to do science experiments. What's What's the opposite of a dinner bell? <laughs> <laughs> Your voice just makes everyone run away. I had to redeem myself from earlier. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Well, uh, that's all, folks, from Third Pod from the Sun. Thanks so much to Lauren for bringing us this story. And, of course, to Joe for sharing his work with us. This podcast is also produced with help from Josh Beiser, Olivia Ambrosio, Katie Brundle, and Liza Lester. 
And thanks to Kayla Suri for producing this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our podcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, always at thirdprodfromthesun.com. And, and one more note, we're actually collecting stories about funny fieldwork stories, failures, when things just didn't go quite as they had planned. Um, so if you have a funny story, email us at news at agu.org. Tweet at us. Call us, hunt us down the street, whatever. We're Googleable. And you could find a you could find yourself on this podcast. Thanks all, and we'll see you next time. Bye.